Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today, I'm speaking with a Hawaiian man who uh, know, who loves the Lord and does some work with EWTN as well, hosting a radio program. He's a guy I've been familiar with for a very long time. And so now I'm grateful to have this conversation with Bear Wozniak today. And we're going to be talking about his new book so from Sophia Institute Press called 12 Rules for Manliness. Where have all the cowboys gone? So uh, I, I think it's an interesting concept of a book. And so he's here to explain more as his book releases today, September 18th, when this episode drops. So thanks so much, Bear, for joining me today. Aloha, Father Ed. You know, I think about how uh, gritty and tough the Hawaiian men have to be. We're living in 85 degree temperatures and the, temp the ocean temperature is 85 degrees and how much more manly we are than those people out in Wisconsin, you know, who hibernate for months at a time and no it, it, when you when you when i meet people from wisconsin i know especially from the green bay area i know they're tough they gotta yeah. be <laughs> that's great yeah you know so tell me this like you are a well-known surfer in hawaii is that right well yeah you know I, I i won a couple world titles um in tandem surfing and people really don't know what that is and uh, it's where you lift a woman there's like 45 different extreme lifts and you lift a woman in these beautiful acrobatic poses while surfing and you get judged. There's one set of judges just for surfing and there's another set for the lifts. And I actually, the greatest accomplishment with that sport was I was competing in Cocoa Beach and I met my wife and we went out tandem surfing. So we basically fell in love on a tandem surfboard. And we're going to be going out later today to, to go tandem surfing. Well, that's great. And, uh, you know, so you became a cowboy for your wife. Uh, as we talk about your book today, uh, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? That's the subtitle of 12 Rules for Manliness. So uh, another kind of manly thing you do is that uh, you have a black belt as well. So you have all of these uh, kind of manly hobbies and interests, which I think is uh, laudable. Well, I think, you know, the thing is, is I think, uh, yeah, I, I was very fortunate. I got to I got to train with uh, Master Stephen Hayes, basically the first white ninja. I hold belts and a lot of different other styles, but I went deeper into the ninja world, which is really not an art at all. It's a combative. It's it's basically serious self-defense. And uh, but it was teaching one of the senseis there and a few other black belts how to surf where I where I was given the name bear. Uh, so my my nickname it's not a league it's all my, not my legal name but I was teaching them to surf and had a beard at the time and they're like oh I never saw a bear surf before so in the dojo where I taught um, they called me Bear Son and so as a sign of respect and so uh, but it, eventually like especially surfing I would get a check written to Bear Wozniak I couldn't cash it so I legally added Bear to the front of my name but uh, yeah so so I, but I think uh, martial arts. Uh, for most men, men need to have some understanding of what it means to actually physically know how to defend someone who's themselves or someone who's in a vulnerable position. And so all of my children, two of my sons, I, I got to test them for their ninja black belts. And my daughter and my other son, I told them they had to go at least halfway. And though, though they didn't like it at the time, they've all said, thank God you taught us how to defend ourselves and, and to defend others. So I think one of the manly things that I talk about in the book is a to some degree, a man needs to be dangerous. He needs to be able to defend himself and defend those around him that he loves. And, and not just physically, but 
in spiritual warfare and be, being able to stand up uh, in, in light of the woke culture and make a stand, be a little bit dangerous, yeah. Yeah, so tell me, uh, where did the inspiration for this book come from? So it's called 12 Rules for Manliness. Now, Sophia Institute Press actually a few months ago released a book by uh, Archduke Edward Habsburg, which was kind of like another book where it's like the Habsburg way. So it, it seems like oh. Sophia Institute is just publishing these books that are trying to help us to become better people, kind of guides of maybe this is how you want to live your life or what you want to incorporate into your life and uh, kind of these guides. So, and then, you know, kind of, as I saw it, 12 rules for manliness, of course, Jordan Peterson came to mind and his 12 rules for life. So not sure if there's a connection there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think his book is, his, a lot of his stuff is so good, but this is, this was inspired actually by the lady, the woman that just walked out, you know, it's uh, six o'clock in the morning here in, in, in Hawaii my wife just walked out. She's a cowgirl, actually. So it's 12 rules for manliness. Where have all the cowboys gone? And Cindy was a cowgirl. She was a barrel racer and a trick rider. And we were driving along the beach here in Waikiki going around Diamond Head. And this song came on the radio and she said, you're going to like this song. And she turned it up. And I forget who the artist is, but it's the song is called Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Women, women, wherever we go, when we speak to when I, I speak to a lot of men's events, but when I speak to groups of men and women, usually my wife comes with me for those. We're surrounded by the we get out of the car, we go open the trunk and there's women around us telling us. Just. With like with. Please tell the men we need them to be men again, not that macho stuff, but we need manly. We need men to not apologize for their existence. We need men to be men again. I was just on a radio show. I just got off of it before we, I started visiting with you and the woman there that was just like, yes, 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 you know. So we're not talking about that macho stuff, but a man who will take responsibility uh, and care for those that, he, that God's called them to serve. That's what a man is. It's interesting because as a priest, you know, I kind of heard something very similar. There was a, a Knights of Columbus insurance agent who had come to visit me. And uh, so he said to me, we need priests to be like priests again, where they preach the truth. And that's what people are really hungering for. So it's kind of you know, the same line there. So you're saying men need to be men. That's what women really want. Parishioners really want priests to be priests. And yes. uh, yeah, so there's something yes. there about being true to your identity. Yeah, well, you know, one of the chapters in my book, uh, the first one uh, is uh, a man's got to have a creed, a code that he lives by. And so that one of the definitions definitions of a man is to, and the next chapter is ride for the brand. And so we need priests who will stand up and say, I ride for, you know, and a priest, of course, uh, one of the things I say in my book too, is how a man treats a woman defines him. And for a priest, that woman is really the bride of Christ. And so when you, when you stand up and you tr teach Catholic teaching with, with, you know, truth and love have to go together, but love without truth is just, mushy gunk and truth without love is kind of like hugging the exoskeleton of a of a cockroach you know you got to have them both you got to have the, the 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 truth is like a skeletal structure but the nice warmth of the human body is the love part and when a priest will stand up and speak the truth in a way that can be heard and understood that's being manly that's what a manly priest does and there's nothing more manly than our our jp2 priests and our uh you know, are are you a JP two priest or are you a Benedict a Pope Benedict priest? 
Yeah, I would say uh, I'm more of an intellectual. I know that John Paul was too, of course. He was a, a philosopher, but uh, as a theologian, I, I looked to uh, Benedict a lot. So. Amen. Me too. I love. I mean, I'm not either of those, but I love. Uh, love. Yeah, I love our our young. I call you young because I'm so old, but I love our young priests because there's there. You know, and by the way, you, there's one other book that Sophia just came out with. A friend of mine, Father Bryce Lundgren, who if you don't know him, you got to you got to have him on your show. Yeah. He's a, he, have you had him on your show yet? No, well, not yet. Well, you got to write to Sophia or I'll connect you guys. But his book is called The Catholic Cowboy Way. He's a, a, pre, a cowboy priest. He actually, he actually has a little working ranch in Wyoming. And I sent him to Sophia. And they, uh, so that, that's a great book too. So yeah, I think, but there are, there are, there are the young men, older men, all men are trying to say, what is a man again? And women especially want to, want to understand what is manliness. And, 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 and I think, so many men have been sissified and wimpified and and they're confused. Um, and so they need a model to, 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 you know, to form themselves after. Yeah. So one of the things you mentioned there was, you know, how does a man treat a woman? And as you said that, I always think about like in the spiritual life, how a man treats a woman. Well, how what is his devotion to the Blessed Mother like? And of I, course, this is a God. podcast uh, yeah. about Mary. I'm a Marian theologian, so that's obviously where I go. But you know, I, I think you see that. So uh, a lot of Catholic women will be drawn to a man who might be devoted to the Blessed Virgin. You know, uh, I was in, in Jerusalem with Father Don Calloway, of course, and his mother was there. And what a wonderful example of, of, of I thought often thought of Jesus and Mary because she was always facilitating and knowing just what he needed at that right moment to be there with him. And it was just beautiful to see his love for her. And of course, on every time we got on the bus, we, we prayed the rosary. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think a devotion to Mary. Now, for me personally, I'm still underway in that, in that progress um, because uh you know, filming Long Ride Home and other things that were going on in my life. Uh, when I prayed the rosary, it was to go to battle. And I understood, I understood that when I prayed the rosary, uh, you know, um, great spiritual warfare would take place. And I saw mountains move. And so I know Mary more as that woman with me on the front lines. But now I'm going through a season in my life of more uh, just loving her and appreciating her i go out in the ocean and i tread water for an hour every day you know i surf too but and that's my a lot of a lot of my contemplative type prayer happens then and i pray the rosary then in a whole different way than i do when i'm going to battle when i'm walking down the beach trudging and holding my rosary and, and, and praying so i i'm hoping to find more of a deeper walk with her i did do my marian my marian concentration several years ago Oh, very good. So, so yeah, the other thing you mentioned there too was you talked about a code. So that's the first chapter. Every man needs to have a code. And I, I'm assuming that code isn't going to be a universal code. So the code that I have is going to be different than your code. But how, how does a person go about crafting and creating that code? And of course, this isn't just for men, it could be for anybody, really. Everybody. Yes, of course. That code. The book, I think everyone can read. And I think especially. Women will love, women will love this book. Will read more. More women will read this book than men because they're so curious about what this is all about. And then they'll give it to their men. But uh, twelve rules for manliness. We start out talking about having a creed, and then also a code. So a creed would be a one or two sentence. Um, uh, you know the essence of what you're all about. Like Jesus might say, "I am love," or 
thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, strength, and mind of your neighbor as yourself, or one of his, a creed of his might be, thy will be done, you know, which is also to say, because will, the will of God is always love. So it's a short statement. My, my creed, the creed of our ministry has been the most radical quest you can pursue in life is the wild, is to abandon yourself to the wild adventure of God's will. So I, that, that's the essence of my spiritual walk is that when I, you abandon yourself to God, get ready for an adventure because this is the God of the universe. You know, he made quasars, dinosaurs, volcanoes, big surf. So get ready for, as you well know, get ready for an adventure. But then you got to break that down into what is your code you will live by? I'm a Benedictine oblate. So there's a, the rules of St. Benedict, you know, or as a Marine, Semper Fi may be your creed, but your code are those, 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 the, the, the code of the Marines. I list them in my book. So that's where I go into my 12 rules that I focus on. There's, there's more rules than that. But every one of them, in their essence, you will find them in the seven virtues, the four cardinal virtues of justice, fortitude, self-mastery, and prudence, and the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. Every one of them you will find there, but I distill them down and and try to get to, some of it's just really very gritty. You know, th this is really, it's almost like a father talking to sons or, or a man talking to, to a, a brother. It's it's not it's practical it's spiritual but it's just down to earth practical stuff too what it what it means to be a man. Yeah. Now, um, as we talk about this and the code and everything like that, you know, and these twelve rules for manliness, uh, I'm just going back to the idea of where have all the cowboys gone, and so uh, what what's the role of the cowboy, and how do you incorporate that here into this? But, you know, I got to just say, it like it is, knights have been overdone in the Catholic Church. We love our knights, you know. Every and also there's 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 the writings of, of I love Doug Barry and his his uh, more of a militaristic type of approach. But uh, so I just it was just a, just a fresh way to communicate probably the same things. But uh, when you think of the American cowboy, you know, right behind me there's bunch of brown leather books on the lower end above me higher is my is the church fathers but 105 louis lamore westerns i loved his book when i was a corporate banker used to fly all over the country when i was young and uh i would read louis lamore westerns and i found his books to be all the men were, were virtuous mm. women were strong and virtuous too they weren't weak he was one of the first authors to portray women in that area but often they would find themselves in a vulnerable way. So I wrote to Kathleen Lamore said, I would love to use your husband's quotes in my book. So I used Louis Lamore's quotes. For example, one of them is, uh, I love the one uh, John Wayne quotes in one of his movie, uh, the way a boy becomes a man is by taking on responsibility. You know, it goes back to JP2, love and responsibility, his first writing. So so I, so I that Western mystique of, of that strong, cowboy that gritty cowboy who rode for the brand who stood high you know sat high in the saddle that had hours and hours of solitude to reflect and to ponder i mean people don't know cowboys write poetry you know it's very there's a whole genre a big genre it's a big thing in the western world cowboy poetry lots of it's very humorous but when you're out in a saddle alone what do you do you take off the back of the the, the peel off the label off the bean can and you write poetry so uh, so much about the the cowboy uh, is something uh, that we as men, I think, can see and visualize and pattern ourselves after. So not only books, but were there uh, um, movies, some of these Westerns that were inspirations that maybe you drew from as well? All of them. 
<laughs> no, my, my wife and I, during this COVID thing, we watched every Clint Eastwood movie, every John Wayne movie, and every movie that we knew Louis L'Amour had something to do with, because a lot of his books, a lot of those Westerns were based on his books. And of course, my wife is a cowgirl. She was a barrel racer. She's from Florida. So she's a cowgirl herself. But but uh, I remember little Joe Cartwright in Bonanza. He would he had run and he would jump and he'd roll on the ground and shoot, you know, as his way of dodging bullets. And so I had my Clint Eastwood rawhide gun belt that I wear and I'd practice my little Joe moves. Although little Joe uh, may not be the best guy to follow because he was shot 18 times and he killed 67 guys. But, you know, yeah, so the the West, the great Westerns uh, showing that that fortitude, uh, the grittiness, the determination and to do the right thing. The thing about it, the thing about like if you read the catechism, it'll say if you lead. I was talking with my son, Jeremiah, last night. We're having cigars down on the beach. Um, if you live a life of virtue, it, it pro provides a life of ease. Very interesting line. But what it means is when you live a life of virtue, life becomes simpler. You don't have to be clever. You don't have to try to figure everything out like you never heard of it before. You have a, you know what you, you know what you stand for, and and then you make a stand. It may not be, um, it's not always easy. But if you don't live a life of virtue, I can guarantee you it's not going to be easy. You know, and so that cowboy way of of knowing what he stood for, like being a man of your word, keeping your word is so, you know, is <clears throat> you don't even hear of that anymore. Um, um, speaking the truth uh it's speaking truth by the way in these day this day and age speaking the truth to the person that needs to hear it at the moment he needs to hear it not wavering not going talking to oh so and so if someone wrongs you do you go tell everybody else about it or you go deal with that guy and tell him look you let me down or i didn't understand what you did and you and you and you face them and you come to grips with things so a timely telling of the truth in this woke culture Men who are invited to be on the Rainbow Committee for the next Pride Parade in their in their work, they need to say no. And you know what? They may not get the next job promotion, but they need to be willing to very simply, very easily. No, I, I know what I stand for. No, I can't do that. Things like that. Uh, in the 12 rules that you write about, uh, which one do you think is the most difficult for a person to incorporate and to master? Well, I don't know. You know, the thing that I'm always drawn to is the chapter on being dangerous. Um, and men have been so sissified. I'm not saying you need to be macho, but there's three levels of a man being dangerous. Uh, there's a difference between a nice guy and a good man. There's a dramatic difference between the, those two. Nice guys are passive. They're neutered. They're, they're weak. They'll never offend anybody. But a good man will. A good man will make a stand. And so... We need to be dangerous on three different levels. First of all, a man needs to be willing to physically fight. If there's danger coming towards him and towards his family, or just people go, well, I should just turn the other cheek. And I think that's true. And a lot of the essence of that is true. But if someone comes after you, they're coming after your family, because if you go down, your family goes down. And so, you know, I'm trained in martial arts, and I think that every man needs to have some sort of ability to fight, maybe it's maybe you know there's different ways to defend yourself, but you need to have a you need to have an, an understanding. Like when I went and had, I, I sit down with Doug Barry every now and then. We find ourselves in the same location sometimes. We go out to eat. He and I always go to the same table and sit in the south. We we go for the same chair and the same table. We know where the spatial awareness is. We know where the alpha table is. And with him, I can sit anywhere because he's got my back and I've got his back. We can look at each other, but there's 
my wife and I, when we, she knows where I'm going to sit every time we enter a restaurant and we're walking down the street. When there's someone coming our way that I don't trust, she knows to walk over to the right side. And I don't even tell her. And we pass, she knows to look back at me in a loving way and see if that person's continued on. And it's not being paranoid. It's just being, it's just natural, a natural flow. A man needs to know how to do a jab, punch, hook, uppercut, maybe from a self-defense point of view, they're uh, knowing how to use weapons. But uh, the, I think the, the biggest thing about defending uh, your, your family is, um, are you fit enough to do it? You know, most guys wouldn't last 30 seconds in a fight, and most fights are over within a minute as soon as they go to the ground. And so I challenge my men, as soon as they join Bear School of Manliness at deepadventure.com and they join our man cave, a lot of men, one of the first things they do is they get fit. Um, because if you can outlast your opponent and go a little bit berserk on them, whether you're skilled or not, you're probably going to be able to protect your family. But now there's the next level, and that would be, are you dangerous, dangerous enough to make a stand? Uh when uh, the culture, this culture of death and this, this whatever we want to call this world culture, are you willing to make a stand and say, I don't agree with that and, and be informed enough in your faith to, as Peter said, have a reason for your hope to express that and take the flack, be willing to take the flack. Are you willing to stand up for Jesus? And then the third thing uh, is you need to be able to enter into spiritual warfare. You need to understand um you know, who you are as, a, as the head of that household, how God's given you rulership over that household, especially spiritually, to pray protection over your family, to be discerning. Can you smell a rat if one of your kids is going down a rabbit hole and uh, and to pray the rosary and do spiritual battle, right? you know, sprinkling your house with holy water, say demons hate hate authority. And that holy water represents the whole the authority of the church ordained by God. I have a crucifix when people enter our home, you know, so men, uh, you know, I, I, as an evangelist, every now and then uh, a demon will manifest during the moment when someone's really committing their life to the Lord, uh, even before they go to a catechism, but when they're surrendering their life to God, sometimes a demon will manifest. Are you able to just, are you able to use the finger of God, the Holy Spirit? And, you know, Satan's a punk, you know, are you willing to, are you ready to go into battle with not that your focus is there, but you better know how to deal with it. When the time comes, you better know how to deal with it. So that's one of the areas I talk about is just being dangerous, you know, being, being, you know, people know that you should, as you walk, as you walk down the street, you know, people shouldn't look at you, look at you as a potential victim. Hmm. Do you intend your book 12 rules for uh, manliness? And do you intend for it to be kind of a handbook on male spirituality um, cause it seems like there's a lot of books about male spirituality or, uh, I guess. So I, I guess what, what's your thoughts on that? What comprises, uh, a male, um, uh, what comprises a male spirituality? You know, and I, I don't really, that isn't my focus of it, but we address it there because I'm trying to have like fatherly, gritty, practical advice, but like here in Hawaii, by the way, the, looking out the ocean right now from my window, um, when the surf is up here, a lot of the surfers don't paddle out. And so we call them posers. You know, they look like surfers, but they don't go out when it's big. Uh, so a man in his spirituality, I always say, if you're not spending an hour every day with the Lord in prayer, you're a poser. And so the church provides us these wonderful things, daily mass, um, the liturgy, the hour, which was what my father gave to me. You know, uh, uh, I was came to the came to a deep relationship with Jesus through the Catholic charismatic renewal many many years ago 
But I drifted away into non-denominational land, and my dad had that same experience. He sent me uh, the Liturgy of the Hour, and he sent me Stephen Ray's book, Crossing the Tiber, and it brought me back to the church. The Liturgy of the Hour, um, praying the rosary as you walk down the street while you're standing by an elevator, while you're in the car, um, and then reading wonderful books. I have a great dialogue with the Lord, and I, I love my early church fathers. Uh, and but I love to read more modern books too if they'll if they'll lead me into a dialogue with the Lord. And then uh honestly, I go out to the go out and swim for you know surf and all that stuff too. But I like to go do a do a three-mile walk on the beach every day. And then and then at one point there's this beautiful place of real healing waters where there's a fresh spring bubbles up in the ocean. And I tread water for an hour, and for part of that time I just close my eyes and the ocean is lifting me and following me, and I just try to go into contemplative prayer so if a man doesn't have that spiritual walk all the other stuff is a waste of time i was interviewing anthony stefano book uh, recently and his book on the 30 30 days to changing your life and he said this isn't a self-help book this is a book about um about uh if you don't have god in your life forget about it if, if you're if you're looking for a book that's going to tell you how to be manly and you don't have God in your life. It's the inward, downward spiral of Dante's Inferno that puts you further and further into yourself and isolates you from God and man. So we need to have other men in our lives. But if you don't have a, if you're not spending an hour with the Lord somehow in prayer uh, and reading and meditation and Lectio Divina every day, you're a poser. So get real. I, I, you know what, Father Ed? I was in Minneapolis about two years, three years ago. And I lived there a few years early on in my career. And there was a guy there, his name was Tom Guthrie. And we lived a block away. We're part of the same fellowship community there in the Catholic Church. And there was a chair that he used to sit in. He would pray. That was, I knew that to be his prayer chair. Hmm. I don't know how many years, 25, 30 years went by. And I went to his home and there's that chair. It looks really used. The Bible's very tattered. But I asked him, how many times when you've been here early in the morning before you went to work, did one of your kids kind of wake up and crawl on your lap? He said, well, it would happen on occasion. But they knew their dad was a dad of prayer. They knew that was his prayer chair. Be that man. Be that man. Yeah. So be that man who prays. Be that man who uh, is devoted to Our Lady. I guess, too, I'm curious, uh, as we talk about uh, manliness and such. Who are some of the manly saints that other men should look to and implore their intercession? I don't know about other men, but I'll tell you, I love Athanasius. I love Athanasius because he was intellectually, of course, profound. And although I'm not intellectually profound, I like to read writings by people who are. You know, I, by the way, we got to have you on my show and talk about your your quest in, in, in Marian theology. Please don't let me forget to write to you. I, I wrote it down already, but um, uh, it, you know, so I don't, I don't even know where I was, where I was going with that. But Saint Athanasius, the way he stood up for for uh, for the truth, um, and of course I love uh, Saint Benedict, but uh, uh, there's I, I don't know what all what other people would say, but that's the that's the one that I think of most often. He was strong. He was how many times was he exiled? You know yeah several so yeah and then and he stood for the truth and he knew and he helped define and clarify and help us understand the truth so that that would that's my i know it's a rare one maybe most people wouldn't go to but that's my favorite saint yeah now but, what true you I'm, that 
Gustin and Aquinas and all those dudes. Yeah. When I go down, when I go down to the beach and read, sometimes people text me say, "Hey man, what you doing? I'm just hanging out with a few friends at the beach. Oh, who's there? Well, I've been hanging out with Augustine today, you know, and uh, and Aquinas. And if you're not very smart, pray and ask them to, to help you understand, you know. What drew you to Saint Benedict and to becoming a Benedictine oblate? What monastery uh, are you affiliated with? I uh, Benedictine trained a little bit. I went to Conception Seminary in Missouri. So, well, back in the Wild West days of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, the Pecos Benedictine Monastery in Holy Ghost Canyon, up near Santa Fe, New Mexico, was very instrumental in the West. We I was actually living in Texas at that time. And they were very instrumental in uh, in bringing many, many people into a deeper walk with the Lord. And actually, I went up there uh, on several retreats. And uh, then they planted a monastery here in, in, in Oahu that had a tremendous impact here on Oahu. Tremendous. Probably the major evangelistic efforts here were from that, coming from that monastery. But uh, unfortunately, there weren't new, new people coming in. And the, and the ones, the younger ones that did come in, then said, well, I want to go train to be a priest and things. So... I uh, was with with uh, Bishop Larry Silva about four months ago, and he said, well, we're going to have to close that. It began to be a problem, and the Benedictine said, well, we're going to close it. So then the, the diocese could, took care of it. But now all these saintly people like Father Michael, who I knew when I was 19, a tough, gritty guy, dude, from Wisconsin. Uh, I forget where, where in Wisconsin, but he, one of his fingers was missing, you know, just a tough guy, and Sister Mary Jo, and... Sister Bernadette, I knew them from the Pecos Monastery when they came out here. Those two have meant so much to me, and then they came out here. So I don't know where I'm going to go with my Benedictine um, relationship right now. I've, I've, uh, I've reached out to one, one monastery. I don't know if anybody would have me, but I, I want to be in a relationship. I'm just not sure. Sure. Now, uh, also being in Hawaii, I know the great saint of Hawaii is St. Damien of Molokai. And he's actually my birthday saint, May 10th. And uh, do you go to Molokai? Do you have any uh, devotions? Thank you for asking me that. Actually, I'm living right next to the Catholic Church. The altar is directly below me. And then in front of the church is the, is the St. Damien and St. Marianne uh, library, but it's never been opened. It, they, they built it. It was just kind of ready to be opened and COVID started. And I don't know why that it hasn't been opened, but my father was a deacon in Molokai. Wow. And I had a home there in Molokai. And it's a very, it's it's a place where, it's an interesting place because people will come and they either hate it or they love it. But what happens to me, the minute I get off the plane in Molokai, I feel this serenity. Mm. But there are areas there when you go uh, that you feel a real darkness too, because there was human sacrifice practice on one side of that area. Oh, sure. I remember going into that area and telling my friend, I don't, that area is kind of gnarly. And he goes, well, you don't go there without your priest. <laughs> So, mm. um, but, but we, I've done the, I've walked to the, the, the cliffs there, the highest sea cliffs in the world, right? That's why the Kalapapa Peninsula down there was isolated, so isolated. And I've done those, those, um, the winding hike all the way down to the bottom there. But uh, both times that I wanted to go there, um, inclement weather or something happened, I haven't actually been to the colony. You have to ask for permission to be sponsored to go. There's still eight, um, People with Hansen's disease there, they're cured, but the effects of it won't be cured, you know, that they that they had. So sure. yeah, um, talk about uh willing the true good, true good for others, as Aquinas would say, and 
through self-donation, as St. John Paul II would say, that that's Marianne and that's St. Damien of Molokai. Yeah, I have a great desire to one day go there. So uh, I'll go with I'll go with you. Okay, I'll I'll put you on the list <laughs> for sure. Well, I, and that channel between Molokai and Oahu is about 28 miles. And I've paddled that channel on my tandem surfboard. Um, it's one of the most treacherous channels in the world because of the the power of the ocean river that flows through there, the wind that comes, um, the tidal currents. And the day I did it, there was huge, you know, 15 foot, 20 foot surf. So, um, yeah, I, I took me 10 hours and 19 minutes. I did it without with I did it with a total of six minutes of rest because when you rested, you get drifted. So mm. to me, that's a very sacred channel. It's very beautiful. And uh, even though it's 28 miles to Oahu, it's mountainous. So on a clear day, you can we can when I go that way on the island of Oahu, I can see Molokai on a clear day across the channel. It's a sacred island. Very, very beautiful people. The best in the world live there. Wow. Wow. Now you have this ministry. You've written these books. How can people learn more? How can people get the book, 12 Rules for Manliness? Where have all the cowboys gone? Well, I'd love it if they'd go to uh, my website, deepadventure.com. We have a web store there, but the easiest way for people to do it is probably to go to Amazon. And I like them to do that because if they order the book, they'll definitely want to go in there and order three more for their friends once they read it. Uh, But then they can leave a review. And when you do that, Amazon starts promoting. And I definitely want this word to get out. So yeah, Amazon would be the easiest place to go. And you'll see my other books there too, Deep Adventure, The Way of Heroic Virtue, and then another book, A Surfer's Guide to the Soul. So we'd love for them to, to go there. Well, very good. I'll have to check out some of these uh, Western novels that you've referenced, uh, that author. and Yeah. Yeah, so I I really appreciate this conversation and I hope people will uh, give this book. And, uh, you know, Christmas is right around the corner, so maybe it'll make uh, for a very good Christmas gift for the men in your life as well. I think it's a good book, Father, for to give to to people that are going off to college. Mm. Uh, And also want to invite people, my website, deepadventure.com, there's where you find the Man Cave, which is a non-Facebook community of men. Once a month, we have we gather together for Zoom calls, and we help the men start their own men men's groups. And, and then we also have the three-year curriculum, Bear School of Manliness, audio, video, written, self-assessments, all kinds of things. And we go through that once a month. It's a great way for fathers to go through it with other men, but then lead their sons through it. And even mothers, especially single moms, can lead their sons to it through it, too. So deepadventure.com, where you can find us. Well, that's wonderful. Well, head on over there. And thanks so much for joining me today on How They Love Mary. And we're going to be, you're going to get on my show, right? We'll talk about Mary and devotion, okay? I hope so. That'd be great. I'd be honest. I'll write to you right now. Sounds good. Great. God bless you. All right. Aloha. God bless you.